can still hear Okay, can you hear me now? Okay. Raise your hand if you're not awake. All right. So we got the, we got the, yeah. So also, I, I have a fun one that I love to do. Raise your hand if you're not here. Oh, there's no, yeah, there, uh, there's always one smart aleck in the bunch. Uh, leave it to Josh to be the smart aleck back there. That's wonderful. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and let's go ahead and uh, flash uh, the pictures up here. Actually, can we uh, go to go to another one? I want this one to be last. So go, go, just keep going all the way to the first one. Just, just go. Is that all you got? Oh, there we go. So uh, um, we haven't started the Facebook Live, have we yet, Josh? It is started. Okay. So uh, I'm very. Uh, this is right in uh, central India, and so we're very careful about what we do on Facebook as it relates to names of people and so on, because India is unfortunately not all that excited about people knowing about Jesus. Um, so this is my friend. I call him Sam. Okay. Uh, and he, when he went to Raipur, India, there was uh, 0.085% uh, Christians in the entire state that he is in. 0.085%. Okay. So uh, I'll do some commercials later about what you can read about the trip, but I just want to introduce you to him. So let's just go to another slide. These are some of the main people in his area there that they have this garden to look at. I'll go to the next one. Next one. It's giving you a little flavor. There is... The reason I put this up here is, is that I'm so thankful that God loves me even though my nostril is not... You see my nostril right there? This isn't going to be on Facebook, is it? Oh. Okay. Well... Don't notice the girl to the left there. That's the coolest part of the picture. But isn't it funny how the first thing, you, when you look at a picture of yourself, the first thing you see is what's wrong? Okay? I wanted to put the, you know, so, yeah. So, God loves me even though my nostril is not uh, straight. Okay, next one. Some more of the kids. Next one. And the lady with the uh, white uh, uh, scarf is actually the wife now. When she, when I was there, she was engaged, but now she is married to Sam, and they have a child, um, and uh, doing very well. And the people behind her are some real mentors to her in Christ. Next picture. These two amazing people—they live in a room. They, their entire where they live is basically this square right here. Okay. They raised two daughters. They pastored multiple churches in that area. Amazing followers of Jesus. Next. There's another selfie. Next. We're going to... When you go there, you don't walk around like this. <laughs> I bring my phone. And I have everything I need right on here. So I took a picture of the, of the verse that I was going to preach on. And... Uh, You'll be surprised, but we're going to talk about this, these verses here in a second. Next one. This guy, I asked him, so what brought you to Jesus? And he was from the Brahmin caste, which is the highest caste of, of people in India. They were the wealthy people. These are the doctors and the lawyers. They're really rich people in India. Okay, 
He had everything going for him. I said, how did you come to Christ? With the biggest smile on his face, he looked at me and he said, I lost my business! Isn't that the way God works? He gets everything out of the way that's getting in the way of us coming to Him. They just now are going to two services on Sunday in His house. They meet in His house and they fill the place. Next. That's my dad. Way back when I was a kid in England ministering to Asian Indians. Indians. Somehow, through all these years, I ended up going back to India, working with the exact same people group that my parents worked with many years ago. God knows what he's doing. All right, that's good. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for this time. We want to make the most of this time. We want to make the most of what you give us. And we thank you, God, that you give us windows and opportunities to share. And I pray, Lord, that as I share in this time, that I would be faithful to what you have done in my life and that what you have done in my life would encourage these dear brothers and sisters this morning. I pray that you would glorify yourself, that you would help us to continue to learn, to know what it means to draw near to you, because for some amazing, ungodly reason, you want to draw near to us. I don't know why. Because I've done some really bad things that would make every sane person want to run as far away from me as possible. But you, God, still want to draw near to me. Lord, I pray that the reality of all of these truths would just pound on our hearts this morning. And I ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to do a little commercial first. I was talking to Gary earlier, and I and I, I said, nobody wants to be first or last at anything, okay? And so I was talking to him, and I said, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a piece of paper out there where you can put your name and your email address. I send out emails once a month or so, and... Um, just to let people know what's going on. I'm big big on prayer, and you'll figure that out as we talk here in a second. But if you would like to get stuff from me, uh, I tried to con Gary into writing his name at the top, and then he could later on tell me and cross it out, just to get some more people to put their names down there. I'm just kidding. But if you would be so kind as if, if, if the Lord lays it on your heart, to put your information there, and I will keep in touch with you as well. I also have a few things on the back. I'm a, I'm a writer. Um, some people think I'm a good writer, and when I pay them to say that, they do that a lot. So, But I just want to say, there's one thing that um, I wrote about my trip to India, and it's called Halfway Around the World. God is the same, and so are people. I have a few copies of that on the back uh, table there. I also have my most recent letter talking about my trip to India coming up in December. And I'm not associated with any mission board or any organization, and that's good because... If I was, I might not even be able to go to India. So God knows what he's doing. So that is all in place there for you to read. And I also have a, I also have a gospel tract that I give out all of the time. And uh, 
I've, I've heard very good comments about it. It's called, Does Lust Satisfy? Ever. So all of those are on the back there. Take those as you would like and avail yourself of that. So we're going to be in James. Uh, there's two reasons why I wanted to st- uh, t- talk in a book of James. Uh, first of all is because I was reminded of when, when I talked about that passage of Scripture last year when I was in India. But the, that passage of Scripture, James 4, 7, and 8, just continues to come back at me. But being a good student of the Bible, I know you need to understand context. You need to understand a little bit more than that. So I am going to read a portion of, of the Gospel of, uh, or the, of the book of James. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, James and, and, and who wrote that. But I'm not going to spend a ton of time, but I'm going to spend enough time so that you understand. Uh, most of you already know this, and I'm sure J- Pastor James has preached on James probably a couple times here. But it was funny. My, when, when I said I was going to talk about this, my wife uh, joked and she said, so is that why you're talking in the book of James? Because Pastor James' name is James. And, and I, 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 I said, no, that didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> It was kind of funny. So that was one confirmation that I was doing the right thing um, uh, in that regard. The other thing that I love about the book of James is, of course, James was the brother of Jesus. And it's been said so many times. It's like, imagine, you know, all of some of us have brothers, okay? I've got four brothers. And there's that sibling rivalry and competition. Okay, what happens if God is your brother? What chance do you have to shine? You have zero chance to shine. Okay? I mean, you know, when he was like 13 or whatever, he's like in the temple talking to people and, and like confounding these really religious... I mean, it was not easy being the brother of Jesus. But look what happened. The brother of Jesus didn't run away. He didn't rush away to say, you know, I'm going to make my own... You know, nobody. I don't. What did he do? He became a follower of Jesus because he was so close to Jesus, and Jesus totally transformed his life. So that adds, in my mind, as I read the book of James, it adds just so much richness to what I read. Because I don't know about you, I hate theory. I can't stand theory. I can't stand it when people come and they say, you know what, if we just elected this person, or if we just did this program, or if we just did this curriculum, or if we just did this model, in theory, everything would be okay. Well, how many times does that ever work out? In my opinion, never. I want reality. I don't want to know theory about who God is and what He thinks about me and what He thinks about you. I want to know reality. Because when you've had a really bad day and somebody just yelled at you and you want to be mad at them and you want to react back and you want to be mean to them because they were mean to you, theory doesn't help you. The reality of the person of Jesus Christ is what will help you. So, James, (laughs) James is all about reality. Right? Because James says, you say 
does it go? You guys are going to have me. I'm drawing a blank here. Something about uh, faith by works. You show me. He says, I will show you by my, my faith by work. Now, now I'm failing as a Bible student. I'm, I'm a little, somebody help me out. Gary, help me out. How does it go? It's uh, something about you, you say you have faith, right? But I will show you my faith by my works, right? That's what it is, okay? So some of you are nodding, so I'm right, okay? I'm a, little, I'm a little rusty on the first part of James, but I know it's in there. So if this makes you guys look at James, then, then my not knowing that will help you, and that's all good, right? Okay, so, but it's very clear. James is saying, and, and uh, other people as they talk about this, is that um, our works do not make, uh, our works do not save us. Okay, we know that, right? Okay, we're not saved by works. We know that very clearly. But, uh, but the Bible also says our works confirm and our works show that we have faith. Okay? For example, in the same way that a plant. Anybody work with plants at all? Any anybody in the audience? Yeah, okay. So look at a plant. You can look at it right away, and you can say, "Oh, that plant's getting water, and that one isn't." You can just tell, because a plant that is getting water is going to be a plant that is going to be green, and it's going to be flourishing. Now, when that plant wakes up in the morning, it doesn't go, "Oh man, I need to grow a little bit here." No. And that plant doesn't say, you know what, I need to look really green because I want people, when they look at me, to think that I am getting water. No. The plant just gets water. So once again, faith always comes first. And then faith will bring about changes in behavior over time. So that's why I believe that James is very much about reality the real water the real growth of Jesus Christ in our lives so we're going to be in James chapter uh, I'm just going to start in uh, uh, chapter 3 verse 13 and I'm just going to read all the way to the end of the chapter don't worry I'm not going to exegete the rest of it I'm just going to land on the verses in a sec but I want us to just get a good feel for the whole context Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter and envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Just going to pause for a second here. We know that James is writing this Is he writing this to the world? He's writing this to the church. Because if you look at the verse, chapter 3, first verse, what does it say? My brethren. James is talking right to the church and he is saying, these kinds of things in your body are demonic. Self-seeking, backbiting. Well, they got this and I didn't get this. And self-seeking exist Confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make 
peace. If you allow Jesus Christ to transform your life, you will become a person that is peaceful and makes peace. Chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. In Sunday school, we were talking about how complacency comes from pleasure. We want and we get all we want and then we want more. Oh, I want a little bit more. I, you know, this carpet really isn't the right color. I think, I think we should have green carpet. That would be way much nicer. And the light would just come on. Now I just got off on a tangent. I'm going to go back. Where was I? Okay, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you don't have... Oh, yeah, yeah, pleasures. Okay, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture was, it says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, jealously. But he who gives more grace, therefore he says... Man, if I got done reading what what James was just saying to everybody there, I would be like, dude, I'm going to go hide in a corner. But no, all of that is not to chase us away. God wants to point all of these things out. He wants to use what James is saying to point all these things out, not to push us away, but to bring us closer. And look what it says, but he gives more grace. After all this cesspool of stuff that we do, He gives grace. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of of a brother brings and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Once again, reality as opposed to theory. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow we will will do such and such. A city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while, little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him 
it is sin. Chapter 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. And we're in chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren. Don't be like that. Be like this. Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the earthly, excuse me, the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed. For you have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen uh, uh, the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, do not let, but let your yes be yes and your no be no lest you fall into judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray for him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We're going to stop there. You guys can read the rest of it yourself. But I'm going to land on two things here. First of all is the James James 4, 7 and 8 verse, and then the 517 verse where it says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. See, the, th- the coolest thing about God's Word is, is that we need to get to the point where we just we don't just know it up here, but we absorb it into our entire lives. I know people that know this book inside and out, and I know a lot of people that would have read those verses that I just read way better than me. And they're just mean. The truth. I mean, the devil's quoted quoted scripture. And even while I was reading it, part of me was like, oh man, I messed up that. Oh, I shouldn't have. What a lie. 
Do you think when I'm reading scripture and I miss a word and I have to go back and say, oh, I got that wrong, do you think God is up there going, whoa, Luke, get that right for crying out loud? God is not that way. And the reason I know that God is not that way is we're going to go to first verse, chapter 4, verse 7. I'm going to do a little visual picture. This has kept coming through my brain over and over again. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Okay? That's the biggest thing. When I told my mom I was coming down here to spend some time with you guys, we were talking about various, lots of different things. My mom had no clue what we were going to be talking about. My mom has followed Jesus for the longest time. My mom and dad were missionaries. They, I mean, my mom is a mom of the word. And of all of the verses that my mom could have said, she said, you know, that verse that says, draw near to God so that he will draw near to you, that encourages me so much because when I draw closer to God, I'm further away from the enemy. Because I know the enemy wants nothing to do with God. So if you are struggling, doesn't matter what you're struggling with, it doesn't matter what you're battling, doesn't matter what you're fighting, I guarantee you, going to God with that is the best thing you can do. Because the enemy wants you to run away from God. Because then he can get you in trouble. And the, you know the funniest thing is? Is that I had never thought of that verse that way until my mom just said what you said. But the funniest thing also is I looked right at my mom and I said, you know that that is the exact verse that we're going to be talking about tomorrow when I come down here to see with you guys? God knows what he's doing. He is worthy of our praise. So let's take it and do some picture things. I, we don't think in words, we think more in pictures, okay? That's why I'm very animated and I like to move around. But they told me that this camera thing only goes so far. So I can only go over here and then I can wave and then I can come back here. Anyway. But I like to move around, but I like to think in pictures. So when I think of submit to God, the best way for me to think of a picture that submit it's just very simply bowing. Submit to God. So many troubles in our lives flow simply from the fact that we do not submit to God. Now, if I can stretch your mind a little bit, the biggest change in my life was when I was honest with God and I told God, deep down, I know I should submit to you, but my heart, I used Psalm 51, and I realized that in my heart, there was times I didn't want to submit. And I think there's this lie in the church that somehow says, even though in Psalm 51, David said, behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. Okay? God wants to know the truth. 
When this says submit to God, it doesn't say act like you're submitting to God. No, it says in your heart, submit to God. So in your heart, submitting to God is also something that is about submitting the condition of your heart. So when my life changed, even though I knew all of the answers up here, I mean, I was in Sunday school since, you know, I mean, if they had Sunday school when you were in the womb, I was probably there. Okay? I knew all the answers. But I still sinned. And I got sick and tired of it. And so I was like, okay, forget this. Here's the deal, God. The truth is I know that you are true. I know that you are real. I know that you love me. But the truth is, in my heart, I cannot serve you. I cannot obey you. I cannot go where you want me to go. I can't do what you want me to do unless you help me. And I said, God, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do any of these other fancy prayers. I'm not going to do this trying to memorize all. Kind of, although I did do all of that stuff, but it came later. I said, That's the rock. That's the rock that my faith is going to be built on. This prayer, my honest talking to God and submitting to Him and inviting Him to work in my life. I started to change. And the coolest thing is, is the change that God has wrought in me over the years because of that simple prayer that started a long time ago, in my 20s actually, continues. And the coolest part is is that when God continues to knock my rough edges off and change me and turn me into somebody that He wants me to be, all the praise and the glory goes to Him. Because I know myself. I know I love my wife. I love her to death. I shouldn't say that. Because one time, can I go there? Well, okay, I'll tell you this. Um, one time, one time I was ta- I was I was speaking at a men's breakfast, and I had a good friend of mine that was actually lives in Rochester. He was there, and I was talking about my dad, and I said, "My dad died the other day, you know, or died a couple years ago, because my dad died in um, doesn't matter. You won't remember anyway. But anyway, my father passed away over ten years ago, and I was processing. I was just talking about my dad and how much I respect him. But I said." My dad died, and then I talked to him, and then I said, I love my dad to death. <laughs> and my friend came up to me and said, you know, it kind of sounded like you loved your dad to death, and that's why he's dead. He was, was very technical, and it was, it was a lot of fun. But anyway, so I'm not going to say, I'm not going to love my wife to death. Let's put it that way. I, I don't want her to die. So just in case anybody's concerned, you know, no. I love my wife very much. But every change in her life has had this much the space between my fingers to do with anything that I have done any lectures that I have told her any things that I have said well you should try to do this zero but it has had everything to do with my prayers for my wife I don't just pray for my wife. I battle for my wife. I pound on the doors of heaven for my wife. 
And I don't do that so you can look at me and go, wow, isn't that cool? He's spiritual. No. I do that because that is my only hope to love her the way I'm supposed to. Because I know myself. I was speaking one time at a shelter and uh, there was this lady there who was Muslim and she looks at me and right while I'm preaching she looks at me and she goes, you're a good man. I looked right at her and I said, I know I'm not. I am not a good man. I have lusted, I have lied, I have cheated. But I am a forgiven man. And there is a huge difference between that. Learning to live as a forgiven, loved person is part of submitting to God. So, I want everybody, this is audience partition part, audience participation everybody just bow your heads this is one picture you bow your head you are a picture of submitting to God alright so let's move on to the next picture submit to God, resist the devil this is the one that's really kind of tricky because a lot of people, they think that we should stay away from doing all of this like all fired up, hocus pocus, um, casting out demons kind of stuff and, and crazy stuff. I've actually heard pastors say stuff like, well, you know, we don't have to like uh, rebuke the enemy very often unless we um, encounter other people that are, you know, possessed or and, and that kind of stuff doesn't happen very often. I'm like um, the major battle that I have is right here in me. I resist the devil because the devil is lying to me all day long. Everything I say, he says that's not good enough. Everything I do, he says you oh you do that way better than somebody else man, somebody should put your name up on the marquee. It's always one or the other. The enemy is always all or nothing. He either tells you that you are the worst person ever born on this planet, or he says you are the best person ever. And what the enemy does is he goes back and forth. He bounces back and forth. One second he's telling you that you're the worst, the next second he's all the way. And that is what we need to resist. So, yes, do I believe that simply one time getting all fired up, like say somebody has a drug addiction, do I believe that you need to bind the spirit of drug addiction? Sure. But I don't believe that if you just do it once, then you can, you know, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a quick fix. Okay? Sometimes God does heal people instantly. But sometimes you pray for them over and over and over again. This verse right here doesn't say either one. It's not saying what the result is. (laughs) James doesn't say, resist the devil. All it says is that the devil will flee from you. It doesn't say, resist the devil and he will flee from you and he will heal all of your friends so they're not addicted to drugs anymore. No, it doesn't say that. You resist the devil... You resist the lies of the devil. You resist every aspect of what the devil is trying to do. And you do it constantly. 
not because it's about you, but it's because what Jesus is asking you to do. And it's like an Oreo, okay? You know how you have an Oreo. You've got the cookie on the top, and then you've got the sweet filling on the inside, and then you've got the cookie on the bottom. So I know it's close to lunchtime, and I don't want you guys to think about eating food yet. But, uh, and that some of us, that's, an, that's something we have to resist too, because sometimes I have to resist Oreos because I, they taste good, and, but I, I can't eat too many of them. Okay? You can't eat a whole box. That's a problem. Okay? But anyway, I have no clue where, where that was going. So, so we've got, or it's the Oreo. So we've got submit to God, resist the devil is the sweet feeling in the inside. And then it comes back again to focusing on God and drawing near to God because God wants you to draw near to him. Okay? So now we're at the, the sweet part of the inside. So this is very simple. The very simple picture for what it means to resist the devil is this. Everybody put your hand up. Stop. In the name of love. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. That just came to me. So, Okay. So I want you to remember. So the pictures that we're remembering, first of all, submit is this. Resist. Resist the devil. Now, I do want to say something about these, these three things that we're going to talk about. First of all, remember uh, in, when Jesus said, ask and it will be open, uh, ask and you shall re- receive. Thank you. Boy, I'm really, I'm showing you guys how, I do know these verses, I really do. Um, ask and you receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open, open unto you. Okay, good, wow, okay, all right, I passed the spiritual test. Um, no. Ask, seek, and knock. But what does that also say? It says keep asking, right? That, that, that verb in the Greek, which I'm, I'm not going to say because I don't know how to pronounce those anymore. I did take three um, semesters of Greek in college, but I forgot it all. So, but I know it means keep doing it, okay? All right? Well, the same thing applies to the three things that I'm talking about today. We need to keep submitting to God, all right? You don't just submit once and go, oh, okay, I'm good. No, you kind of got to keep doing it. You have to keep resisting the devil. And you also have to keep learning to draw near to God because God wants to draw near to you. Okay. So we do it as often as needed. You know how when people give you a prescription, the doctor gives you a prescription, and it says it's either three times a day, but most of the time they give you what's called an as-needed medication. Can I tell you something, brother? We need this all the time. We need it all the time! We need it all the time. We need to develop a relationship with God where we are resisting the devil, we are submitting to God, we are drawing near to God and letting Him draw near to us, and we need to do that on a constant basis because it's just like breathing. Nobody in this room wakes up in the morning and breathes really hard for about three minutes. And then you go, I'm good for the rest of the day. We don't do it. But that's what we do with our Christian life. 
We do that so much. You know, we were like, did you have your quiet time today? Like, like which one? Well, see, I was praying at the stoplight because the person cut me off and I was mad at them. So I prayed for them. God, I pray that you bless them and help them and strengthen them and help them to know you. Okay? I do Uber, so I'm driving all around the time. Nobody knows, but I'm prayer driving my entire city, people. Every stoplight, I am praying for people. Every person I see, my wife, every time we drive by kids walking down the street, she goes, Lord, I pray for each one of those kids. I pray for their salvation. We keep doing it over and over and over again, just like breathing. That is what we are called to do by Scripture. And the reason we do that is because we need it. (laughs) We need it. Because left to our own devices, we all know where we end up. So it almost works like this. In my mind, it's like this constant thing that's going. I'll be thinking about something, and then usually what will happen... Oh, I'll do this one. Um, listening to a famous preacher on, on the radio. I'm not going to say his name because it doesn't matter. He's a really good preacher. Okay, I'll say his name. Jeffers. Pastor Jeffers. He's on, uh, on the radio. Every, we listen to him quite often. And he was preaching about something, and he got done talking... And in his sermon, there were like three different things that he said that I say all the time. And so here's the lie that I had to resist. The lie from the enemy was, well, I should be on, I should be on his radio show because I say that stuff all the time. He's stealing my thunder. I sh- you know, I should be like doing the cruises that he does. And, you know, with all these people, you know, it's like, and all I do is, you know, every once in a while I talk to people, you know, here I am, you know. What a lie. Do you think God cares if I talk to one person about Jesus and they come to faith? Or if He cares about if I talk to three million? Or if you have a major organization or whatever, the business of church? Uh, you think God cares about that? No, I believe Jesus said... The shepherd leaves the 99, right? And he goes to find the one. So we need to battle the constant lies that come at us. I was so thankful. I, the Lord made me aware of it. It's like, oh. The other one that the, the enemy, when he, he, the enemy is constantly, he's constantly using our past to affect our present. And I challenge you to resist the enemy when he tries to do that. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing? He reminds you of something you did the day before or two days or when you really blew it or that time when you got fired. I've been fired three times. Woohoo! Anything else been fired for? Do you think God cares? You know, uh, every once in a while, somebody asked me up front, they asked me, uh, said, are you a pastor somewhere? And sometimes I, you know, I, I'm usually very gracious and kind, but sometimes I just want to say, does it matter? I'm not a pastor. I'm an ambassador. My vocation is not pastor. 
But everywhere I go, everywhere I, every person I see, everything I do, everything I write, everything I sing, everything I do is to point people to the person of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what it says on my business card. It doesn't matter what my title is. And even more than ambassador, I'm a son. (laughs) I'm a child of the king. The God who made everything loves me. The God who made everything, if I was the only person on this planet, he would still die for me. That's good news. So we resist the devil. And I'd like you guys to do this too. This is another one that I've used quite a bit. A lot of times when I use this, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Change the picture. Don't do this. Do this. Everybody do this for me. Okay? Because when God hears your prayers about obstacles in your life, and God decides that, yes, I'm going to move that wall, do you think it's hard for God to just go nothing so I guard against I get a little loud sometimes and passionate and I have to guard against this you know because sometimes we mistake the loudness of our resisting of the devil we mistake that as more faith and that's not always necessarily true Although, sometimes when you're by yourself, it's really good to have a good shout fest. Okay, and get real. But do it when you're by yourself, and try to not do it at a stoplight where somebody sees you because they might think you're a little crazy. But if they think you're crazy, that's okay. Okay? You're crazy for Jesus. So, but it's about honest communication with God. So um, there was somebody that I knew who her son was far away from God. And I got that picture. I said to her, I said, as I think about what God wants to do in the life of your son, the picture I have is rather than this, I have this because it takes nothing for God to just knock your son over and get his life where it needs to be. And we've got to be careful about our own pride, but we do have to be honest. We have to resist the devil. We have to say, you know what? <laughs> the truth is, is that all of my sins are forgiven because I was smart enough to realize that I needed it. You think you're so good, but you're nothing because you thought you could beat God. And you were right in his presence. But we have to guard against getting haughty, but at the same time, we need to be bold and resist the devil. All right, number three. You guys are like, when's he going to get to number three? Oh, my goodness. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I cannot believe that God who made everything, I cannot believe that the God who spoke the world into existence, when he looks at me, he says, Luke, Oh, I want you to draw near to me. 
I can't believe that. That's the most amazing thing that there is on the planet. Because trust me, I know me. My wife knows me. God has changed me a lot. But I still got a lot of rough edges. And every one of my rough edges does not disqualify me from drawing near to God. Because I draw near to God, how? Through the gospel. Through faith. Because his, my faith in His amazing work on the cross for me makes me able to keep drawing near to Him. That's why God in all His wisdom created a system where it's not works-based. It also says that we want to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts and not be double-minded anymore. And mourning is okay, too. In verse 9 there, when it talks about mourning, mourning, just a, a little caveat there, the word mourn actually means to get outside what is inside. So I want to, I'll, I'll kind of end on this. I have no clue where my time started, so I apologize if I'm going a little long here. Um, I just want you guys to know that the body of Christ is meant to be a place where you can come as you are. You can receive help and prayer and encouragement for what's going on. And you can have people that come alongside you to move forward. But the only way that you can accomplish that is if you understand what it means to mourn. You have to understand what it means to get outside what is inside. Because every person in this room has experienced pain. Every person in this room has experienced loss. Every person in this room has experienced unforgiveness and sin of various kinds. And my challenge and encouragement to you is find a safe person. Now please, do this though. Be very careful. Make sure the person that you spend some time talking to about, I know Pastor James is safe. I know that there are a lot of safe people in this body find a safe person to connect with and say, this is what's going on in my life. And I don't want to do it anymore. We need to be honest with God, but we also need to be honest with other people because we read it right in here. What did it say? Your sins one to another, right? That's the way it needs to be. So, oh, I messed up my, and I didn't give you the picture for drawing near to God. Drawing near to God is just very simply taking that step in, moving a little bit more in. So let's everybody do that with your head. Just move in a little bit more. Draw near to God. Everybody do that with your head. Draw near to God. Because He can't wait to draw near to you. Now, if you can think of all of these pictures, I want you to just take and, you know, what those, everybody close your eyes for a second. I want you to picture what a, a rubber stamp is. You guys know what a rubber stamp is? And let's just pretend that there's a rubber stamp and it has the word prayer. And I want you to think of that picture of, of submitting to God, and then I want you to take that rubber stamp and stamp prayer on it. submitting, resisting the devil. Stamp prayer on that. 
drawing near to God because God wants you to draw near to Him. Stand prayer on that. Because here's the truth. You cannot do any of those things that I just talked about without prayer. Prayer is the battle. Prayer is not a tack on. Prayer is not a nicety. Prayer is the battle. Prayer is simply talking to God, being honest with God, engaging with God. And so as you think about these three pictures that I have covered with you, I challenge you to come to prayer meeting at this church. I I challenge you to be part of other prayer meetings. I challenge you to set the timer at home. Try this. Set your timer and say, okay, I'm going to pray like a madman for 10 minutes. And when the 10 minutes is up, then go on and do your life. And then later in the day, do another 10 minutes. Just start with something really small. You will be amazed at how just doing a small segment of your life and carving it out and saying, this is my time. And make sure you're alone. Make sure that you're in a place where you can rant and rave and say whatever you need to say and know that you're saying it to God and know that God is hearing your heart. And I guarantee you, if you carve that out and you go after God in prayer, that you will personally reap amazing rewards in your own life. And the coolest part is, is that when God changes your heart, you'll know it was just Him. Because who else can take drug addicts and make them sober? Who else can take people that are mean and change them into loving, caring people? There's only one person who can do that, and it's me. So I already slipped ahead to the 517 passage. It says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I want to say this. The word fervent just means, it doesn't always necessarily mean loud, but the word fervent actually means you just mean it. It comes from here. It comes from, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I know the only person that can help me with what I'm dealing with is you, God, and I press into you to help me. That's fervent prayer. Fervent, honest, gut prayer. And just in case some of you are worried that you're not righteous enough to pray, (laughs) when he says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, It's the shed blood of Jesus on the cross that gives you the righteousness to pray. Because if you have to be righteous enough to pray, then you'll never pray. So, continually put on God's armor, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shield of faith, sounds of gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, I do a lot of things with my wife that are fun and enjoyable there's nothing sweeter than every day we spend those few moments just praying together and we always put on the armor and we always say the Lord's Prayer and we talk about our lives and we talk to God and there's nothing sweeter there's nothing sweeter than to talk to God with somebody on earth that you love I pray that that is something that this church grows in more and more In Sunday school, they were talking about why our culture is going wrong. And I do believe it is some apathy in various things. 
but I believe primarily people are not accessing the reality of the person of Jesus Christ and they are not accessing it through prayer. Here's an evangelism model for you. Let's have somebody have their life so radically changed that they don't do the stuff they used to do and then you try to shut them up. Let's try that one. It's not a program. It's not a how-to. It's not a three, three easy steps. A little insight for you. About three years ago, there was a movie that I really wanted to see, but I know I didn't need to see it. Guys, raise your hand. I know. Women. Everybody's got a movie that you want to see, but you know you shouldn't see it. And I thought I'd do something radically different. Instead of going, oh, I shouldn't go to that movie. I said, all right, here's the deal, God. I don't want to go to that movie because I know you don't want me to go to it. But the truth is, in here, I want to go. So you're going to have to help me not to go. You know what? I didn't go to the movie. I didn't do this. I didn't do, you know. I just was honest with God. And God showed up. And all of a sudden, I didn't want to go to the thing that I thought I wanted to go to anymore. You play a little, Scott. I'd like us to close our eyes for a little bit. Bow your head. When before I got here, I, I just got the feeling that when it comes to feeling that there's things that I'm struggling with that nobody else knows about, nobody else understands, isolation is the biggest lie of the enemy. Isolation is the biggest lie of our enemy. So in this moment, I want us to steer clear of um, what's the word? Hyper sensationalistic uh, stuff. But I want us to grow in what it means to submit to God to resist the devil so that he will flee from us and to draw near to God because for some amazing amazing reason He wants to draw near to me and to you. So what I'd like you to do, my eyes are closed, okay? This this has nothing to do with me. This is all about between you and God. I want to 
prime the pump a little bit here. And if you have some stuff that you need to tell somebody about, I want you to raise your hand and I want that raising of your hand to be a prayer. You're just saying to God, God, I want your help to get some help around this issue in my life. Whatever it is, let that be the beginning of a change. So raise your hand, raise your hand to God and say, God, I want your help to get the help in this body or another body or wherever you feel safe to start to chart some new courses. God, I pray for every hand that is raised. I pray for every heart that is connected to those hands. I pray that you would lead each of those individuals in the next step, in the next transformational change that would eradicate the influence of the enemy in their lives and my life. I pray, Lord, that you would help all of us to continue to press in I thank you, God, that when we appropriate and use your grace and mercy, that you get excited about that. I can't believe that that's the truth, but it's the truth. When I use what you gave me, when you gave me forgiveness, you get excited about that. So, Lord, help us to use forgiveness. Help us to not only receive forgiveness, but definitely give forgiveness to others. Again, I'd, I'd like to stay away from the sensationalism stuff, so I'm not going to do an altar call. But I am going to encourage you that if you feel like right now is something that you need, you need to do some, some work around some of this stuff, I love to pray, and I would love to pray with you. Don't leave here without spending some time. If there's somebody else in this body that you connect with, that you feel safe with, that you can talk about some things and receive prayer about those, I pray that you would talk to that person. It's not a... It's a please, it's not about who prays for you. <laughs> it's about who we're praying to. Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And thank you that you are truthful, but yet you make a way for us to have access to you. I ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.